You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am doing really well. Merry Christmas to everyone. Some people may even be listening to the show on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And uh, y'all all have a Merry Christmas. And uh, Santa has bought us a prize out of the transfer portal. He has. And, you know, Jimmy, you should be doing about the same as you were five minutes ago when we cut the podcast for yesterday. A lot's changed since then. Mostly by <laughs> uh, uh, the the. Both Big Macs are, are digesting funny, so uh, we'll see. Okay. We'll see if I can make it all the way through. Jimmy, first of all, um, I'm I'm looking at something from ESPN uh, talking about pro football. You know, I had this thing, this thought. Uh, I watched the Eagles beat the Redskins the other night, and there is, I wouldn't say it's a super likely scenario, but how about this? You could have the Eagles led by Jalen Hurts, the Dolphins led by Tua, and the Patriots led by Mack, all in the playoffs this oh, year. That would be sweet. Wouldn't that be that sweet? That would be sweet. I mean, that that legitimately could happen. I would say it's – and considering that um, that the, the Eagles just won the other day, I mean, and and the, the Patriots are getting in. The Dolphins have won, I think, seven in a row? I think that's, that's right. Incredible. Yeah, I think they've um, lost six in a row, and now they've won seven in a row. I, I mean, look, and I'm going. I'm actually supposed to go to the Saints Dolphins game on Monday night. That's part of the Christmas oh. gift to all everybody. Sweet. So, um, I mean, I'm really Sweet. looking forward to that. Uh, but I've never been to a Monday night game, and I, I assume it'll be kind of a big deal, especially the Saints coming off the big nine nothing win over the uh, over the Buccaneers. But I, I mean, what, what universe are we in that Alabama could have three alums? And yes, Jalen Hurts is an alum, and he's more us than Oklahoma. So if there's an Oklahoma fan listening to this by accident, he's ours, not yours. I'm sorry. Y'all borrowed him. That's how that went down. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- that's fantastic. I mean, that's so good for recruiting. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I mean, particularly, you know, some of it's payback. I mean, really, it's Nick Saban. I mean, that's what it is. The answer is Nick Saban. But there was a time, I know the younger Alabama fans that listen to this won't even be able to comprehend this, but uh, Richard Todd from Alabama, one of Coach Bryant's last great quarterbacks, he was selected in the first round, I think, in the draft of 1977. I think it was would have been April of 77. He was drafted by the Jets and ironically was drafted to replace Joe Namath, which he did. And then Richard Todd became the starter for the Jets for a few years. Then we went from the 77 draft, the next Alabama quarterback drafted, I believe, uh, in the first round was Tua. I'm serious. We, We went from Richard Todd all the way to Tua before, and that's like 40 years, 40 years before an Alabama quarterback was taken the first round again. And there were quarterbacks drafted in between, 
but they weren't high draft picks and they weren't hugely successful. I mean, Walter Lewis was drafted. Brody Croyle was drafted. Jay Barker was drafted. Um, you know, uh, AJ McCarron being, I mean, even AJ was drafted, but a fifth round pick only started a couple games. Um, been a backup most of his career. We just went a long time <laughs> not having a successful quarterback in the NFL. And now they're coming out of our ears. Now there's three that may quarterback their way into the playoffs. Oh, and none of them won a Heisman. The current quarterback did. He may be the first pick, you know, two Aprils from now. So it's a, it's a fun time to be an Alabama quarterback fan. We're, we're lighting it up. But let me tell you, we were overdue for a run like this, uh, Saban or no Saban. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, it it is weird that a, a team steeped in tradition like the University of Alabama went on such a quarterback drought. But you know, if you think about it, we we just didn't have a lot to offer. I mean, Jay Barker sounds nuts. Sounds nuts. But I think I remember Luke reading a stat. The stat's going to be way off, but it just gives you an idea. Um, the number of schools with the first round pick at quarterback between Richard Todd and Tua is like 64. Like 64 college football teams had a first-round pick uh, during that period of time, and Alabama did not. Wow. That's crazy. And, boy, if you want to set me off, and people so enjoy setting me off, but if you want to set me off, it's this concept of, uh, well, Alabama just didn't – you know, Nick, in the second half of Nick Saban's career, he decided he needed an offense, so Alabama started started uh, signing high-profile good quarterbacks. That is stupid, bullshit, and 0% correct. For those 40 years Alabama didn't produce a first-round quarterback, most of those 40 years Alabama signed what we now call a five-star quarterback or certainly a four-star quarterback. Alabama's quarterback recruiting in terms of signing hyped kids with big expectations, that has always been there. It's just for this reason, that reason, this reason, and that reason. It just didn't work out for 40 years, or at least didn't work out on a grand scale. Some, we, we always had a pretty good quarterback, but signing five-star quarterbacks is not something that started – at Alabama in 2017. No, that's just bullshit. It's so wrong. Alabama's been signing five-star quarterbacks since I've been an Alabama fan in middle school. And, heck, there were some years, I remember 1986, Alabama signed two five-star quarterbacks in the same class. Neither one of them played a down in the NFL. You know, So we were just due for some good luck at that spot. I can think of two things that have had a bad 40-year run. Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL and me. <laughs> um, so, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is where you want to go to get that bet in. Look, you can bet on college football. You can bet on the bowl games. You can bet on futures. You can bet on MLB. You can bet on NFL. You can bet on um, weird parlays. You can bet on teasers. Whatever you want to bet on, go do it at betonline.ag. It's easy to pay in, even easier to get paid. And use that promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. So if you put in 100 bucks, you get to play with 150. That's free cash from Jimmy and me right here at Christmas because 
We love you, the listener. Go to betonline.ag, check them out. You will not be disappointed. Also, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built.com is where you want to go to get these delicious, nutritious Built Bars. They are fantastic. I wish I'd had one for lunch. I screwed around and got a Chick-fil-A because, you know, that's what I do. But every now and again. Smarter than me, man. Smarter than me. Every now and again, uh, I like to have a built bar in lieu of lunch, and I feel fantastic when I do that. I should do that more often. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment, though. But built bar, they're great for a keto or a keto diet. They're good for any kind of diet. If you want to maintain or lose weight, built bar is for you. And they've got all these flavors that are just fantastic. Man, I had the strawberry cheesecake the other day. My goodness, it was so good. Go to built.com and check them out. Built.com. Use locked 15 as a promo code. Get 15% off that order. That's more free money from Jimmy and me to you. Built.com to get these delicious, nutritious, scrump delicious built bars. Jimmy, um, I, I was in the previous podcast, you probably heard some music playing if you've been listening. And um, so I've decided that to get us prepared for this next little bit of um, stuff that I'm doing while I'm trying to delay to get this ready, let's see if I can get it going. Does this song mean anything to you? Because we're going to do some reminiscing. Do y'all know this? You know this song? Yacht Rock. Yeah, it is. Oh, can you home and something to get streaming of the night? Because I'm trying to wait it out till we get to the reminiscing part. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this, but we're going to talk about Alabama, Florida from 2021 because that's what we've been doing um, right here at Christmas. You know, we're, we're going to look back on the season with, um, you know, some wide eyed and, and feel good about it. So I'm waiting on them to sing the reminiscing part, and then I'll quit playing this. But oh, they're not going to do it, are they? The Little River Band is going to let me down, Jimmy. Wait, he just said reminiscing. He just said it. That, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> I'm still playing it. People are like, yeah. what the hell podcast is this? But damn it, when I start something, I'm going to finish it. I'm reminiscing trying to, to, to remember the song. I think people are reminiscing about when they weren't <laughs> listening to this damn podcast. <laughs> Uh, the 70s is an underrated music decade. And I, mean, I love the 70s. The... 70s is full of good shit. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, here we go. Wait a minute. Maybe it's about to come up. If you ain't to be alone. Here we go. Come on. Come on, Little River Man. Don't be late. I can hardly wait. All right, well, come on, get to the damn chorus. I think people are hoping you drop your phone Jimmy, in a garbage can. Stop. <laughs> okay. Heard okay, it. that was that was two minutes. Nobody's getting back. <laughs> <laughs> they were hoping you were going to drop your phone in the garbage can. <laughs> All right, let's do talk about Alabama, Florida. <clears throat> um. So, you know, looking back on this game, it's so funny. First of all, um, I'm looking at the stats. This was one of Bryce Young's worst games. <laughs> he was 22 of 35 for 240 and three touchdowns. That It sounds bizarre to say that's one of his worst games, but it's <laughs> that clear that games. it was. You know, um, if you think that feels like a long time ago to you, imagine how long ago that feels to Florida fans. 
because Florida, yeah, Florida left that game. They came into the game three and zero, hoping they would beat us. Damn sure, nearly did. We defended a two point player. We go to overtime, and you can't convince me that we would have won the overtime with Florida being in their home stadium and having a hundred percent of the momentum. But it was a two point conversion that we defended, and that's why we won the game. And Florida left. If you just told Florida fans leaving the stadium that Dan Mullen would be fired before <laughs> the end of the year, no one would have believed you. Dan Mullen didn't even leave that game with his seat warm. Dan Mullen left that game like, well, looks like Florida's on track to be good again. And, and then he's fired. So that's one thing. But secondly, I know it all went south on him, and, and, and that was weird. But I will tell you that Florida was a pretty good football team when they were playing well. They, they, they have a lot of dudes. I think Emory Jones played really well against Alabama that day. He's now in the transfer portal. Emory was playing for his job. There was a lot of talk that AR-15 was about to take the job from him. AR-15 got hurt the week before. We're lucky he did, frankly. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that game's different if, if, if they could have brought Anthony Richardson off the bench, who had been making plays all through September. But we were fortunate to win the game. We played well for a big portion of that game and then played really poorly. And maybe, Luke, you could say that game sort of a microcosm of Alabama season. We look like the national champions against Florida for a while, and then we also look like Nick Saban's worst team since 2007 for a while, all in one game. And I think that really encapsulates the entire 2021 season, a team that at times looks like the best team in college football, and at other times you're like, whew, this Saban team just isn't like the rest. You know, um, you could arguably say this loss was Florida's best win of the year. I mean, it really was. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule. Yeah. Boy, they yeah. I, I, maybe if you're actually going by actual wins, their best win was Tennessee. They they buried Tennessee the next week, 38 to 14, which sounds crazy now because Tennessee got to be pretty good towards the end. But um, it, you know, they lost at Kentucky. They lost. They got. Uh, they lost to an LSU team that everybody thought had quit. They got buried by Georgia. They got buried by South Kakalaki. Um, they lose to Missouri. Uh, just really just a bad, bad year. And you're absolutely right. If Man, nobody, nobody thought that they were headed in this direction after the Alabama game. Um, and I don't know what the hell went wrong. But, boy, when it went wrong, it went wrong in a bad, bad way. Um the other thing, of course, this was the game Jace McClellan got hurt, um, which, you know, that that's just a bad memory. I mean, it seems like every game we've talked about so far, and, and we've only talked about three, there's been like some tragic injury. Obviously, yeah. Chris Allen, the Mercer game, I don't guess anybody got hurt that I remember. But now Jace McClellan, I mean, man, we for a team full of five stars, we have the worst injury luck in, in history. Here's the other thing I didn't remember. We had no turnovers that game. It we it feels like the way that game went, we sh, we must have turned the ball over four times. We didn't turn it over once. No, we couldn't stop them in the second half on defense. And our defense, which did improve throughout the year, and I think by the end of the season, even against Auburn, 
which was almost a low point for us on the in the whole season. It was really just a low point offensively. The defense was good and sort of saved our ass against Auburn. But uh, that particular game, I'll point out two games. The defense almost lost that Florida game, and the defense did lose the Texas A&M game. I mean, that's the way I'm, I look at it. No, I, I I agree with you for sure. Um, interesting that, that that's not a game I go back and rewatch. By the way, there were no deep balls in that game, if I remember. Uh, let that's me right. see. That's right. Remember, there was a stretch during the season when our own fans were real critical about Bryce on the deep ball, and this that's was, right. And I think that game is sort of where that talk started or reached a crescendo where the fans were like, "Boy, Bryce just doesn't throw an accurate deep ball." I, that's right. he just won the Heisman Trophy, and and, and it's not because he dinked and dunked his way to it. Um, I think we have to remember that was Bryce's first real road start. It was the first real SEC game on the road as a quarterback in this league. And the offensive line was sort of under construction all year. You want to throw a deep ball, you better have a good offensive line. It takes three or four seconds to set that stuff up. And then you need some chemistry with a, with a good receiver downfield. Alabama really only had one in Jameson Williams. Back in September, Mechie was hurt. I mean, he, he, Mechie sort of had to play his way out of being hurt. And I just don't think the pieces were in place yet to be a good vertical passing team. But Alabama certainly became one. Jimmy, uh, let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, I got another Christmas story for you. All right, we're right here at Christmas Eve. I'm going to take a break from Alabama stuff just for a second. Jimmy, I don't think I've ever told you this story before, and I've always been hesitant to tell it because I never know when there are children listening. So if you do have a child listening that's maybe 10 or younger, you know, still still totally bought into Santa Claus, all that stuff, then maybe don't listen to this. But, and I I, I don't think I've told you this before, but if I have, uh, tough shit, you're going to hear it again. Um, eight-year-olds listening to this shitty show. I'm not sure that's a good idea at all. There's, there's a lot of reasons your eight-year-old should not be listening to this. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so my brother was in third grade, so I was like in eighth grade. I think we're about five grades apart. And every day, uh, my mom would pick me up and then swing by and pick him up at his elementary school. And uh, so we go to pick him up, and this is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's sometime in October, I think. And my brother at the time was like the most jovial, happy kid, you know, a little bit chunky, just a happy, jolly kid. And um, but this time we go to pick him up and he was sitting on the curb and he was moping. And so he gets in the car and he's just got this pouty possum look on his face. And my mom says, well, what's wrong, honey? And he said, Mom, I got to ask you something. And she said, OK. He said, some kids at school told me Santa Claus is not real, that you're Santa Claus. Is this true? And there was dead silence. And then my mom teared up and she was like, let me just tell you about the spirit of Christmas. And yes, while technically that's true, I mean, Santa Claus lives in your heart and it's all about the the Christmas spirit. And well, my brother's just boohooing. I mean, just because it is like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real, it's like there's a death in the family. I mean, it really is. And you do feel lied to a little bit. It's worth it um, for that 10 minutes of pain. It's worth it because when you believe in Santa Claus, it's awesome. And then when you have um, children and they believe it's awesome, but 
that that moment when you find out it's like your dog died. Well, my brother's just crying. I mean, just, I mean, inconsolable. My mom's crying. I, Jimmy, I shit you not. I'm in the back crying because now we only had a nuclear family of four. So nobody believed anymore. And that takes a little bit of the edge off of Christmas, right? So I'm just, you know, we're all upset. It's about a 15 minute ride from his school to our home. And we get close to home in Austin finally. He's like, you know, doing that kid cry where you go. <laughs> and so he's finally like gathering his breath a little bit. And mom goes, Austin, I'm, I'm just so sorry, you know, but, uh, you know, it's the spirit of Christmas and this is Christmas and then nothing's changed. Everybody loves you. And it's still, you know, Santa Claus lives in all of us and whatever. And Austin goes, that's great. I guess the next thing you'll tell me is there's no tooth fairy. <laughs> and mom was like, mom was like, well, let's knock out all these fictional some bitches. How about ain't no Tooth Fairy, ain't no Santa Claus, ain't no Halloween Hal, they ain't no Ar- you know, Danny Arbor Day, they ain't no Johnny Appleseed, whatever the hell you want, they ain't gonna. <laughs> you know, you sort of lose your, you sort of, it, Austin, I was like, man, you could have just, just don't, don't go there, bruh. Uh, and so, yeah. Is Austin out of therapy yet? Yeah, I mean, that was a, it was, <clears throat> it was rough, man. I'll tell you one more quick Christmas story because it, it's Christmas time, so why not? But um, you know how, like, we, I tell stories all the time um, about how my brother and I have pranked my father and done some funny stuff with him. Well, when my brother was young, uh, all he wanted for Christmas was Nintendo, Nintendo game system with Super, you know, with um, Super Mario and all that shit. That had just come out. Uh, Some friends of mine, friends of ours had it. And like, we'd literally sneak in their house to play it when they weren't there. That's how addicted we were to this thing. And we didn't have one. So uh, Austin just said, I don't care. I don't want anything. I don't want money. I don't want nothing. Don't want anything in my stocking. I just want a Nintendo. Well, um, my dad, about the Christmas Eve, went to Austin and said, look, hey, Austin, What's that thing you wanted again? He said, a Nintendo, Dad. I just want to tell Santa Claus, tell everybody. I just want a Nintendo. And Dad said, well, son, what if Santa Claus couldn't find um, a Nintendo, but he found the next best equivalent? He found a Rabundo. And Austin was like, Rabundo? And Dad said, yeah, it's Rabundo. Um, It's just like Nintendo, but just a little different. And... He said, what about Mario Brothers? He goes, no, no, they've got um, two Italian sisters. They they don't have the Mario Brothers. And he's like, do you, do you kick turtles? He's like, no, no, you don't kick turtles. You you ride ponies. I mean, it was just like everything Austin said, he was like going opposite. Austin was distraught. And like the next day, so it did make Christmas special when he got the next morning and there was not, in fact, a Rabundo under his tree, but instead a Nintendo. Um, so I think it's great. It's great. Your parents were psychologically torturing this kid through his entire childhood. Yeah. So anyway, I go visit Austin in prison every Christmas, ever since he set that school on fire. So you cl- you have to climb the clock tower every Christmas Eve to wish him Merry Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we always love uh, Rabundo, man. I mean, what a, I was like, Dad, what, how do you even think of Rabundo? What the hell is that? Um, all this is explaining anywho, a lot about you. All this is explaining a lot about you. Every time you tell a story about your dad, 
you peel back one layer of the onion. Oh man, there's dude. I, <laughs> that's that is my life is just telling stories about him. I mean, I don't even have to do anything. He's kind of made it easy for me. Like I just have a shitload of stories to tell about him. Um. All right. Well, Jimmy. Merry Christmas to everybody out there and a merry roll tide. And we did just get a text. And by the time y'all, by the time y'all all get to this, this will be very old news, but apparently Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone are both COVID positive. Yippee Kaye MFers. Jeez. I mean, damn it. Well, we, we heard they were, we heard they hang out together a lot. <laughs> I mean, they're best friends. So, I mean, if one, if they're best friends, if one of them is going to have COVID, the other one's going to have it there. Hell, for all I know, they live in the, you know, them and their wives all live in the same house. They're that tight. Um, their wives, they're best friends and their wives are best friends. That's but, nuts. Um, okay. So if they're COVID positive, that means that they won't be a practice, but we're only practicing. As we record this Wednesday, I think today's the last day of practice and then the team adjourns so so they'll both miss one practice which is fine and then i assume they'll be good to go to dallas on sunday i assume let's hope all right buddy merry christmas everybody and we will look forward to talking to you after christmas and we'll be getting you ready for cincinnati and until then roll tight everybody roll tight